Praise the Lord. You know, salvation, salvation isn't a, a salvage job. God just said, then, you know, when you go salvage something, you take what's there, messed up, bent up, rusty, whatever, and you try to make something out of it, get some value out of it. And it, it wasn't our, our experience wasn't like you ever heard, you know, one man's treasure, one man's junk is another man's treasure. It really wasn't that either. You know, I've, have you ever set some stuff out that you wanted to get rid of and you just knew if you put it out there next to the mailbox, next to the road, there's just got to be somebody to come by and get it. I've done that before and before the, it could ever be picked up in the trash. It's gone. God doesn't do that. Mm-mm. God doesn't salvage, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't take junk. He makes new creations. Whatever you used to be, used to be. It doesn't exist anymore, you're new in Christ. You're not a salvage job where he took you and maybe made something out of what the junk is because that meant you're still part of that junk, but that, but that, but that old, rusted, beat-up stuff, is garbage is gone. You're a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things are made new. So I'm so glad about that. Because that opens up the reality that we don't have to carry around the old stuff. We don't have to carry around the old guilt. We don't have to carry around the, the um, things that affected us and put a dent in our life or even a dent in our body. We don't have to carry that because that's the old and now we're the new. Brand spanking new. You know, have you ever bought a new car before? You know what the greatest scent or aroma in the world is when you get in that new car and you smell the new car smell. You know, they even try and put that in a can so you can spray it. I've never tried it, but I just don't believe it really works. Because you're still in that old Chevy. You're still in that old Ford. And you try to mimic the, the new car smell, but you just can't do it. But boy, when you step into a new vehicle, there's just nothing like it in the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's nothing like being new. There's, there's nothing like being new. I believe that was a word for somebody today. I'm going to preach a little bit more, continue on. Our vision this year is find your why. To find your why. It's interesting that when God gave us this vision, it almost as, as though it became, a, it became a part of a prophetic season. A season where that seems as, as though the past year or so, our society seems to be so more confused than ever before. We have the highest advanced technology and learning and opportunity. I mean, even the talk of artificial intelligence I wish we would use the real stuff first and know how to use it before we ever make any artificial. And, but, the, but the thing, and, and I'd like to know the guy who is uh, building this thing or the people who's building it. You know, I just hope they really are as intelligent as they're supposed to be. I'm just trying to be a little funny here. 
But the fact is, is that it almost was prophetic because as the world seems to be going in so many different, unusual, not uncommon, we find the commonality of some of these directions in Scripture, and I'm not going to cover it today or go in that direction. But the fact that it's almost prophetic that we as a church, God has placed that on our hearts to find your why. The world may be going in directions that seem like they've lost their mind, but you and I, we can find our why and know where we're going and feeling assured and resting assured that though the, all the world seems to be at times at chaos, we're standing and running and living in our purpose and our why. There's a solid feeling about it. It's, it's a foundation that brings peace and, and assurance and a confidence and faith. When we find our why, our, our faith is, is, is really being used in its fullest form when we find our why. I like for us to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord, that you help me to be able with clarity this word that you've given me, God, be able to share it with your people, with all of us here today. God, that you help me, for I am a vessel that truly needs and always needs your help. Lord, just anoint and touch us all in this room. Speak to our hearts as only you can, Father, through the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Acts 17, 28, part of the verse of Scripture, for in him we live, move, and have our being. You've bought t-shirts. You've seen the stickers. You've seen the media. It's just, it's out. Find your why. Why well, even wore mine today? Find your why. What I mean by find your why is that find your why is your why and my why is our calling in our life. It's our conviction. It's the, it's the core source of motivation in our life. It's the reference point for all your, of our decisions and our actions. Is, it comes from our why. It defines who you and I are and what makes us productive. It's the reason, the purpose. The purpose or the why is actually the why is the original intent. Many of us started out on a why and a purpose in our life and we somehow got distracted and we had an original intent of what it was all about. And sometimes while we keep on, while we've tried in this life to do the things God wants us to do, we get sidetracked, we get confused, we get distracted, you know, we, we have this attention deficit at times. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many here in the room have attention deficit? I've got it. It's just in me, and that's just, you know, it's just a problem, okay? It's just me. I'm working. I'm living with it. I'm working with it. My wife surely is praying over it. And, uh, but I've got a little attention deficit. I think we all do. We can get distracted. We look at something. You no, know, suddenly we're in the middle of something really important. We can be in the middle of a, uh, a heart transplant surgery and suddenly look over and say, squirrel, you know, <laughs> not a good moment, not a good moment. <laughs> it just, we can, we can get distracted. 
at times. And God wants us to have purpose. And why? I want to say to every person in this room, you are made by God. And you are not an accident. You're not an animal. You're a human being that has been created in God's image. You are important. You are special. God created you with specific intent. You were intentional. You're not an accident. I speak against all the spirit of anti-God that comes from the teaching of evolution. There is a God. There is a creator. I cannot imagine seeing the things around you, the majesty and glory of the heavens and the earth, and then come as a fool and say there is no God. There is a God. There is a divine order. And you have been divinely created for a divine purpose in your life. And so you just praise God. I want you to lift your hands toward heaven. And I want you with me. Just praise God for God making you who you are. And that he's created you who you are. That you're, you're a creation. You're not an accident. You're not a happenstance. You have a purpose. Uh, you have a start and you have an end. And you have everything in the middle that God is working in your life. And your end has just been removed. Whether with Jesus Christ you are never ending in Him. Praise your name, Lord, for who I am. This ain't a sermon to build self-esteem. It's a sermon to go against the lie of the devil. This is not a humanistic sermon. It's the fact God's created us. It's not in my notes, but you needed to hear it. We need to hear this and know this. The purpose or the why, it's original intent. Psalm 57, 2 says, I cried to God most high who accomplishes all things on my behalf, for he completes my purpose in his plan. He completes my purpose in his plans. That was in the Amplified Bible. Everything begins with the why. It all starts with the why. You can't survive without your why and your purpose. We need to always let the why be the life source to the what and how. You know, what you're doing, what and how you're doing, how is it reflecting the why? Are you just caught up in the how and the what and you've forgotten what the why is all about? Dads, if you got your jobs and you start working your jobs and making money and now it's all about the job and not about providing for the kids and family and being the, the dad that you wanted to be at the very beginning when you started working, when you and your wife discovered and found out you were going to have a baby, you thought, I want to be the best dad in the world, the best father in the world. I want to love him, show him, him or her, my children. I want to show them what it is to have a loving, good father and, and to nurture and help and be supportive. I want to show them how I can be, uh, how they can find the best spouse in their life by the example that, that I show to my wife of how I love her and care for her in the home. You know, it's all about that at the beginning it was all about that but now you're too busy running and making money and working hours I know sometimes you have to work the hours but some of those hours you don't need to volunteer for you need to decide and say that the hours I spent with my family they're treasured they are to be treasured in my family because you're going back to your why 
That's what it's all about. Is that, and, and you can go and take every example and take that, the why, that maybe perhaps we get distracted, we get a little bit of attention deficit, and we go in different directions. We need to get back to the why. Get back to the meaning and purpose of it all. Your marriage, you married that young woman because you thought she was, she was a living doll. You worked so hard, guys, to, to make her laugh, to make her feel impressed about you. You, you spent money. <laughs> money doesn't matter. Money's no object. You spent money. You bought stuff. You got flowers. You sent notes. You made call, phone calls. You, you, you just hovered on the phone with her and said, baby, I just can't live without you. <laughs> spent hours and hours of talking and sharing being together and boy you know I want to get married because man I love her now what happens now you're doing everything you possibly can to go in the opposite direction you're ignoring you're not talking to her you're not sharing with you are not having time with her you're not telling her how much she means to you in your life what do you think it's time we get back to the why I can pick on the men because I happen to be a part of that group I'm qualified. Women, I'm just not qualified. I have a skewed opinion about that, okay? And I can't help it. It's just, it's me. It's who I am. It's who God created. I try. I work at it. I work and work and work at it. I want to be the best husband possible. Everything begins with the why. You need to always let the why be the life source of, to the what and the how. Never let what and how run on their own. Your why, our why is the passion and drive. The passion comes from who I know, not by what I know. When it comes down to my Christianity, it's not about our, my works, but it's about the one who I know and I love. And whatever I do, let it be about him. Let it be whatever we do be about him. What changes is, uh, is, is what do we change? We change. We change. What changes? How changes? The what we do changes. The how we do changes. It goes with life and different ways of how the expression, but the why never changes. It's consistent, constant. It's foundational. The what, the, the, uh, what and the how is external and with the body and with the world around us and on the outside, but man, that why, it burns deep inside of us and in our heart. And so what we do, we do from our heart. I want us to turn to just a, a simple verse of Scripture. And I want to I do something here that I believe the Apostle Paul wouldn't, it wouldn't bother him one bit. I think that it would be because in this verse he does a, there's a two-part to this verse. And though the two parts do relate to each other, I do believe that each part of this verse divided has its specific meaning and deepness to it. That we could just linger on one part and maybe perhaps we'll see God's message of what this man was trying to say and something for you and I to receive. In Philippians 1 and 21 in the Amplified Bible, it says, For to me... To live is Christ. He's my source of joy, my reason to live. In the same verse of Philippians 1.21 in the New Living Translation, it says, For to me, 
Living means living for Christ. Living means living for Christ. Live. That word live, it's one of those words that we just take it so much for granted, what it means, what it's about, what it is about this live. And even in our English language, in the Oxford Dictionary, I looked up the word live. You know, sometimes you can get some deep things you've never thought of, about, about the word, simple words of live. And so here it is, some of the definition. Live is remain alive, exist, have life, breathe, draw breath, be in the land of the living is to live. Be in the land of the living is to live. Let me tell you this. God's very much wanting you to be in his presence. He's actually, he paved a way, an opportunity. So where he is, there we may be also. I, I got heaven on my brain. I want to go to heaven. Heaven is my goal. Heaven is a place I intend to end up at. Heaven is my new real estate I intend to be a part of and live there and dwell there. Heaven is a place where I want to see my God that I've never seen before and never experienced him before in person. And there I'll, I'll experience Jesus in person person and, and rub elbows with the prophets and the, the angels and give a high five to Gabriel and ask him to play me a tune. It's a, it's, it's a, heaven is a place that anticipate. Heaven is a goal. Heaven is a, is, is by all means, don't lose sight of heaven. But I want to tell you, we're not there. We are not there. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not in heaven. Sorry, honey, you're an angel, but I'm still not in heaven. I don't know what it is. Uh, something's coming up in me with an old, old uh, Elvis Presley rocker personality. I don't know what's coming out. It must be my son trying to possess me. I don't know. You sending something my way, Micah? I don't know. Amen. But you know, the fact is, is that we're not there. So what do we do about it? We live. We live as Paul states it. For me to live is Christ. Let me go a little bit more definition of live. Live is also a definition of it is to spend one's life in a particular way or under particular circumstances. You can make what you want to about your life and living. You can make it all miserable, all that you want to make it. Did you know that? You know, some people, they have bad things happening in their life. And then some people just want to keep on nurturing bad stuff. They want to live in the land of the, of the dying rather than the land of the living. They want to... They want to live in negativity. They want to hear nothing but bad news. That's all that ever comes out of their mouth is a complaint. And I pray, dear God, don't let me be that person because nobody would want to get around me if I was like that. You ever met someone like that? Don't do any elbowing. You ever met someone like that? Everything is bad. And if anything happens, it's bad. And it's just always, uh, it always slants toward the negative and murmuring, complaining, and griping, and upset and mad. You know, I went to Taco Bell. I wanted a sweet tea so bad yesterday. And it was, I don't know what I was drinking. 
Somebody got creative when I asked them not to be creative. They gave me something that was such a mixture of everything, and it was almost a Frankensteinish kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of formula that I drank out of that stuff, and oh my gosh, it was hideous. There was a part of me that said, I'm turning this car around. I'm going to go and have a good lecture and educate that person working in that drive through window. And then finally something dawned on, dawned on me. Go on and live. It ain't the end of the world. Let's move on and let's get greater and better in the Lord. I just decided to say, thank you, Jesus. And I took a second gulp and I said, thank you, God, that I can swallow. I took another gulp. I said, thank you, God. I can taste even though I can't. I don't like what I taste. And I said, thank you, God. I got this pretty plastic cup and there's a lid on it and I have a straw and I'm so blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And I drove on. Drive on. Drive on, saint of God. Don't be so willing to share that bad part of your brain. Share the goodness of God. Be in the land of the living. Thank God for his goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Live in the land of living. My goodness, live. To live is for me. To live is Christ. Somebody needs this today. I'm not saying that you're possessed by a spirit of grump. That's actually one of the names of the demons of hell. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I had you going there for a moment. I have tasted of the good things of God. I have discovered that I'm worth something in the eyes of God. And I realized that I can be an instrument of good that can transform the lives of other people. That heaven can flow through me and touch the lives of other people. I'm going to live in the land of the living. And some of you who want to live in the past and what's bad and what's happened to you, I'm sorry. But I'm going to give the immortal words of John Hagee when he preached. He said this word so clear that I understood it. He said, get over it. Get over it. Move on. Move on. Do you know what counseling does? Counseling reaches in the past and pulls up whatever back in the past into the present and deal with it. Well, I'm not a counselor. Holy Ghost is, but I'm not. But I can be a coach. And I can tell you and point you in the right direction. And I can talk to you where in the present that can lead towards your future. If you want to live in your past, uh, then you're stuck. And you're dying. And you're not going to get anywhere. But if you decide to live in the land of the living and start from now and move into the future, I got a word for you. Because I'll tell you, Jesus took care of your past. 
Jesus forgave you of all your sins. Jesus gave you a new life. No wonder Paul said, to live for me, to live is Christ. Because the working power of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to repair me, not to heal me, but he delivered me and he made me a new creature in Christ. And the life I now live, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can shout and praise God because I did give you a scripture. That makes it an official sermon. Paul is, you got to understand the context where he's at here. He's bound and chained to a, to a soldier in Philippi in the house arrest. The church of Philippians heard about his arrest and knew that he was under Roman arrest and that Caesar brought charges against him of insurrection, preaching the gospel. My goodness. I'll let you think about that for a moment. I hope that day comes that I get arrested for preaching the gospel, that I'm not going to jail alone. That you'll say, hey, pastor, hey, hey, I'm in the cell next to you. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Here he is. He is. The Philippians wanted to send him a letter and sent him some support because they were so worried because they knew what Rome could do and would do. And Paul's sitting there, and they're trying to encourage him. And he, in turn, he just sends a word back to them. He's, he's chained to that soldier. He could die tomorrow at any time. And he said, he showed them his attitude. He showed, him, showed them and revealed to them his attitude. See, you and I do that to the world. We reveal our attitude. And he revealed his faith, his attitude. And he just wrote in that letter, he says, in other words, hey, it's all, all right for me to live is Christ. And you know the rest. The die is the game. He says, hey, if God wants me around, I'll be around and I'll keep doing this work. If not, then I'm better to go on to my reward of what God's got planned for me. But he said to live is Christ. Actually, tell you the truth, did you know in the original text there, there's no pronoun there. That was added by literary people. He actually said, for me to live, Christ. It's, there's no is there in the actual text. For me to live, Christ. For me to live, to really live, Christ. Christ. And for those of you who may not know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. 
Christ is a title given divinely who he is. Through the history of mankind, we waited for the Christ, Messiah, the anointed, appointed one, the anointed, appointed one, the Christ. He said to live Christ. He said to live is the Christ who is not just a, an anybody or a somebody. He is the Son of God. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He is the great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is everything. He's Christ, the Anointed One. The oil, the Bible says in Isaiah that the anointing destroys the yoke. That anointing came to this darkened planet. Penetrated the darkness by being light. And the darkness comprehended him not. They refused him, rejected him, crucified him. But he was the anointed one. The anointed one that went and healed the lame and the suffering. Went and did miracles and demonstrated God's provision and God's healing and God's deliverance. He's the anointed one for the purpose of bringing salvation and deliverance to humanity. He is Christ, Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. That in that anointing, Paul says, to live is the anointing. To live, for me, to live is the anointing. The anointing that Jesus, in his inauguration, coming into this world and demonstrating the anointing in his life. If you make Jesus your why, then you have not just Jesus, but you have Christ. And Christ, the anointed one, that anointing will be in your life. Where that you will be the one who will penetrate walls that, that separate people. You'll be the one that will lead the way. And a charge toward victory in people's lives. Because to live is Christ. Get over yourself. Get over yourself and get into Jesus. Get over yourself and walk in the anointing that the anointed one has brought. And let God use you to be a difference maker. One who can truly make a difference in people's lives. There's a desire in young people and students today. Many of them are going to the medical field. Why? Because it's not a paycheck. They want to do good. They want to help people and minister to people. Ministry is not just happening in the church house. It's happening all over. Whenever humans touch the lives of other humans to help them, that's a type of ministry and wanting to do good. Let that desire in you, the why that is inside of you, 
Let it be your declaration for me to live is Christ. Because if you let Christ's anointing flow in your life, you'll do far more than what an operating room or a hospital room can do. You'll do far more than what any medication can do. Because the anointing of God will be upon you. And you will reach people who feel like there is no way, you'll show them the way. People who feel like there's no reason to live, you'll give them a reason to live. You'll let them know that for you to live is Christ. And him alone. It's him alone. And he's called us. Paul says to live is Christ. To live Christ. To live Christ. That literally, if you were to try to put it in the way he put it, to live Christ. And how many here are so glad for the benefits you have? You have Christ in your life. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't I just want to challenge you to put him in first place. Put him in first place in your life. Put him in first place of your life. Then the things that you do and the things that you say and the plans that you make will be lined up with his anointing, his plan, his will, and it will have life incorporated with it and have purpose. Find your why. We know Jesus. He's the why. In him. We live, move, and have our being. It's in Christ. You've got something the world's crying for. The world is crying for what we have in Christ. I think we need to show them that there's a purpose, there's a why. They can find their why and fulfillment. Some of you are here today because you felt like you, you had broken lives and and a past that you were embarrassed about, didn't know what you were going to do. And then you suddenly find out with the Holy Spirit speaking and saying, listen, let Jesus be your why. Let him be your why in your life. Let Christ. And if you do that, then the anointing will be in your life. Now, I'm not saying a differentiation between the baptism of the Holy Ghost and anointing. I'm just saying when you have Christ, you're anointed by God. You've been set aside by God. You've been, you've been, God's got his plans for you. He's got a, a, a promise in your life. Just find your why. Do you think you can do good for somebody else? Sure you can. Some of you do that. Some of you have shown me you've got the gift of baking. It's not one of the nine gifts, but it's, it's a pretty good gift. It's real sweet, you know. Yeah. I've tasted some of it. You see it, you know. I'll never forget one time I mentioned something about somebody in church years ago when we were next door. And I said something about somebody who made an apple pie for me. I mentioned it in church. I made a mistake. I made a mistake because suddenly I had four ladies lined up with their gift of baking. Barb Phillips, she was, she was the one that really had a, a purpose. She said, Brother Bynum, she says, I got this apple pie, you'll like it. And she said, and you know what, Brother Bynum? It's made with Splenda. I don't know what she's trying to say. Talk about an oxymoron. Yeah. 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 It's like, well, they, well, they have it at McDonald's. What's that thing they call the dessert, the ice cream? What's it, Blizzard, is it? McFlurry. McFlurry, yeah. It's like. Driving up, 
I'll have a king-size McFlurry, extra toppings in it. Give me a little extra chocolate in there and, and a little bit of a, more pieces and just, you know, throw it all in there, and then I'll have a Diet Coke. <laughs> now, that's an oxymoron. That's an oxymoron. You and I are contradictions to the world. The world looks at us and says, you can't change. You won't. It don't be no difference in your life. There's, there's no way. And look at you today. Look what the Lord has done. Where people curse you and say, you, you're a loser. And go, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to be in jail forever. You're, they're just, you, you get out and they're going to lock you up again. You're a drug addict. You'll always be a drug addict. You won't change. Alcoholic, yeah, you're going to get, I give you two weeks. People say that. I give you two weeks and then, you know. I've even heard Christians talk that way. Well, they have a drinking problem. They're back at church. Glory to God. And it's about, I don't think it's going to last. It shows me how much your prayer life is. You know, um, but look at you. You're a contradiction to the world. You're a new creature in Christ, in Christ Jesus. How many here have got a, a testimony, a witness in your life? Come on. How many here know why I'm talking? I'm not talking about everybody raising your hand now, former alcoholics and drugs, but you had a former life. Anything, anything, anything that was out, out to destroy you, and, and now look at you now. You, you're looking so fine. You're looking good because of Jesus Christ. The life I now live, I live. In Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? How many here feel that you'd like to move a little closer to Jesus? To get closer to him? I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many of you feel that way today that you just feel like, Lord, in my heart, I'm longing. I want to move closer to you. I need to get some, maybe perhaps, I don't know, there's so many different circumstances. Maybe you're facing something that's so difficult, and you just want to move closer to Jesus to help you during these circumstances and trial. Maybe you're in the boat, and you're like, Peter, going to, hey, I need to go wake up, Jesus, because we're going to drown. But I need to get closer where Jesus is. He's the answer. Whatever it is, you just have a longing in your heart. You want to get closer to the Lord. Then I want to invite you to demonstrate in your heart. Do something physical with that commitment and opportunity. I want you to leave your seat right now. If the worship team would come, I want you to leave your seat right now. And I want you to just stand up front here. And we're going to believe it's the Holy Spirit It's going to touch. You know, just whatever. You just, I just want to get closer to Jesus. I need to get close to him. I need to draw near to him. I have an urgency in my heart to draw closer to him. Whatever the circumstances is, it doesn't matter. What's really great about it is that Jesus doesn't refuse anybody. He loves us. He loves us. I want you just to come all through the building. Just come up here and fill up the front here. You, you just want to get closer to Jesus.